Welcome to The Well Woman Show. Each episode is a transformational journey using mindfulness, feminism, leadership, and strategy to support you to thrive personally, generate wealth, and impact your community. How you eat affects the capacity to listen. So if you're using lots of sugar, or you're not eating, or you're always dieting, or if you're drinking a bottle of wine every night, you you won't hear it. You won't have the intuition. You'll just have the intention or the desire or the sort of a non-specific feeling like something should happen, but you're not clear and the message can't come through as static. And now, here's your host, feminist thought leader, London School of Economics grad, leadership consultant, and transformational coach, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, hello, gorgeous well women. Welcome back to the show. If you're a returning listener, I know we're um, getting more and more listeners from NPR, which is awesome. You can direct your friends to npr.org slash programs and they can search for the Well Woman Show there. And um, today I am diving into a topic that is very relevant now for the holiday season. No matter what holiday you celebrate, or if you don't celebrate the holidays at all, there is just an abundance of sugar around. Sugary treats, cookies, cakes, all kinds of things. Um, everywhere you turn, there there are you know, sugary things. And so I am talking today to Kathleen de Maison, who coined the term sugar sensitivity and is the world's leading expert on sugar addiction. Um, and her best selling book is Potatoes Not Prozac, which really continues to demystify very complex processes. And she has more than 30 years of experience working in public health, nutrition, and addiction. And I wanted to talk to her for the show today because. This is just, it's all over in our lives right now, all over the place, sugary things. And so she gives us some very practical solutions to identifying and dealing with sugar sensitivity. And really, the, the most important part here is just the connection between sugar and depression and how we feel and connecting inward and, and connecting into our intuition, which... Um, for those of you that are familiar with the show and the Well Woman Life Framework, we uh, talk a lot about intuition as a major, major strength and superpower that we all have access to that we don't always use. And um, what we eat really impacts that. And so we're going to hear about that today. We're also going to hear the seven steps that really heal depression and break sugar addiction. And we're going to hear about how imposter syndrome is actually a biochemical issue. So this show is packed with information and I want to encourage you to take in the information that is uh, resonating with you right now and not not immediately go into like guilt about not being able to do every single step right away. In fact, Kathleen recommends that you don't do all the se- all the seven steps at once. Um, really master the first step, which is very doable during the holidays. It's all about eating breakfast, which um, is is very manageable and doable. So you know, focus on the parts that you can do. Uh, you know easily with ease and not with great struggle. Um, 
So I'll leave it there for you for now. You can, of course, go to wellwomanlife.com slash 184 show to get all the links and information about this show. You can also continue the conversation inside our Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine and High Desert Yoga. You can go to their websites and check out more about what they offer. And the links are at our website. Now to my interview with Kathleen Maison. I'm speaking with Kathleen Maison. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm very glad to be here. Kathleen, I want to start by having you tell listeners, who are you in the world today? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, the third edition of my book just came out literally last week. So who I am right now is answering a lot of questions from people, responding to a lot of the excitement of the people who have read the book and who are so thrilled to hear what's new and what's been added and how I am. And I live in New Mexico and have a pretty quiet life. And it's not super high exciting. But I talk to people all over the world. This is the wonder wonders of the internet these days. And so how I am is really having this joyous dialogue with people who are doing the program that I outlined 20 years ago. And I can't imagine that any author in the world wouldn't love to be in that position. So we'll get into the book. But just to give people an idea of you as a person, because I, you know, women, as women, we hold all of these roles and wear all these hats and we, you know, hold on to these identities. And it's, it's interesting to explore like all of the identities. And so how else do you identify? What other things? <laughs> well, probably the most significant thing in New Mexico is that I'm the president of Golden Retriever Rescue. So most of the people in New Mexico who are, who are listening would know me because they might have one of my dogs. I've been doing that for actually just as long as the book has been out. I think in some ways, the uh, reclaiming what's been thrown away and abandoned is how I would describe myself as recovering codependency channeled into effective places. <laughs> so what do I do? And what is exciting in your life? And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm sitting on my front porch watching the light go down on the mountains. And that's what I do. And I'm on the computer a lot and I talk to people. So I have an ongoing dialogue with uh, people and the joy of my life comes in having those conversations. Some people would really love to have a quote-unquote boring life. Sounds very peaceful and joyful. Earned. It's earned. Earned. That's yes. a good one. So Kathleen, you're the author of Potatoes Not Prozac, Simple Solutions for Sugar Addiction. And this book came out 20 plus years ago, mm -hmm. but you've just come out with a new edition. And I wonder if you can talk about that in the context of how does it how does this work impact women's lives and well-being? Well, the, the original story was a story about having particular brains that are sensitive to sugar. And if, you, if you're born sugar sensitive, and I coined that term so that 25 years ago, nobody had any idea of that at all, and said, if you have a particular kind of brain, and you're eating a lot of sugar, or you're eating a lot of white carbs, you'll be crazy. And you're not a bad person. It's not a character flaw, but it can affect who you are. And I had worked with alcoholics and 
discovered some really intriguing things and decided I needed to write about it. And mm-hmm. so I went back to school to do that and learned a whole bunch of things about how brains work and formulated this theory. And what I've been doing since then is basically talking to people all over the world and giving them this concept of how if you change what you eat, it will change how you feel and change how you look at the world and how all the tools that we all have now, uh, self-help tools, the kinds of things that you do, all of those things are enhanced by creating this balanced brain. Basically, I've been talking to people about that for 20-some years. And the power of the internet is that we can do that now. We, we couldn't do that before. Those conversations are things that have really informed what I write and what I think about and how we do it. And those conversations, that the, the talking to people for 20 years about this, is that in a, in a consulting role? It's all online. It's mostly by email. It's mostly free. It's mostly a dialogue. It, we have a system set up for mm. people who they read the book, they want more information, they come online. And we have conversations. And I have a whole group of people who help with it. And it's it doesn't it's not part of formal consultation. It really is dialogue. Okay. So someone in Tibet might be talking to someone in Albuquerque, and they have the same story, and they share with each other. It's what women have been doing since the beginning of time. And is it overwhelmingly women that you work with? Predominantly. I Probably 98%. Okay. So why is that? I think because women are more open to the idea of talking to people Men tend to talk to their women, and the women talk to each other. I mean, that's my experience. And I I work with guys. They they sort of huddle in the corner and talk to each other. Some are very brave, and they just jump right in, and they don't care about that. And those are the ones who've grown up with sisters, and so it seems very normal. But that is a a wonderful question that actually we're just in the process of looking at. Like, Mm -hmm. how do we we provide a vehicle for guys? And also, I would be interested to know if your actual solutions – differ based on sex, based on whether you're male or female? The actual solution is the same Mm. for everybody. The approach to the solution, the guys will say, I don't want to know the reason, just tell me what to do. Give me the game plan, and I'll do it. And they do it. And then all of a sudden, all the things that they've used to protect themselves from feeling are not there. And then they freak out. The women will do that work beforehand. And so they don't have the after freak out with the same. It's something that I would like to write about at some Mm. point. Part of it is I, as a woman, don't think that I should be writing about male experience. So I have to gather, get some guys who talk to me and then have them talk about it so that it's their experience and not my my imagination. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So we'll be looking for that. So Kathleen, you talk about a natural seven-step program to stop your sugar addiction, lose weight, eliminate cravings, and heal depression. That sounds amazing. I mean, I know a lot of people who would really love to have all of those things. (laughs) So can you walk us through, like, I don't know if you can cover all the seven steps quickly, or just is there some part of that that you can share so that we understand? Well, I can certainly do the seven steps quickly because it's very simple. Okay. Basically, we start with breakfast. So people come in, they're depressed, they're overwhelmed, they're overweight, they don't like their lives. And we start with breakfast, and that generally takes more work than people expect Mm. because it means on time. It means having some protein, having some kind of complex carb, and doing it every day. 
So that's a skill set. And a lot happens in that process. Most of us are trained, well, tell me the diet, I'll do all of it on day one. So it's changing a lot of behavior. Mm. And so probably 90% of the work happens with step one, because we're changing all of the addictive behaviors. People don't know that. We don't We don't talk about it. It's all encoded. We just say breakfast, breakfast, breakfast. No, we're not taking out sugar. No, I know your doctor told you to take off sugar and don't have carbs, but just eat breakfast. Mm. So we do that. Step two is journaling. Most people just learn to do it rather crudely initially because it's hard and they don't like it. And we just find it a very thoughtful and funny way to just get the data so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, step three is having three meals a day. That's a ve- It's very, very difficult. We figured out that there were 256 parts to step three, which is planning, thinking about what you're going to have, where you're going to have it, when you're going to have it. So that takes a while. Step four is adding in the potato. I part saw of the that. title of the book so, is having a potato. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I mean, I, obviously, like you said, it's in the title, so it shouldn't be a surprise. But <laughs> but what is the potato? <laughs> right. So basically, one of the things that I learned is that if you have, if you're born with low serotonin, which is a brain chemical that makes you feel better, that increasing serotonin is a good thing. And there is a biochemical process that if you have protein and then three hours later you have a carb, your your body produces insulin, insulin has effect on your brain and alters which amino acids go to the serotonin factory. So having a potato is simply a carb that's useful. That's where the potato comes in. Mm, okay. Why did I pick it? Because I'm Irish and I like potatoes. Okay, but we're on step four of seven. We're going to get there. But I just want to ask you, you know, if some people are born with more or less serotonin and other things, how can there be a one-size-fits-all seven steps? Well, the seven steps wouldn't be for the people who have the serotonin. But what we're working with is the people who have this collection of an assortment of things that come together Mm. in sugar sensitivity. So if you're not sugar sensitive, this is not your thing. If you walk into the kitchen and there is a plate of chocolate chip cookies that have just come out of the oven and no one else is there, what would you do? Now, some people would say, am I hungry? Or like, well, you know, so what? There's Those of us who are sugar sensitive, we would start laughing as soon as we got the image of the chocolate chip cookies. We wouldn't even have to ask the question of what would you do? Because of course you would eat them. And that response, I can have a group of 500 people and the people who are sugar sensitive will be laughing as soon as I say a a plate of chocolate chip cookies. The other people are sitting there thinking, what's the punchline like? Why is she raising that? And that disconnect between those who are sugar sensitive and those who are not is one of the biggest issues Step five, eating complex carbs instead of simple carbs. Step six is going off of sugar. And step seven is getting a life. Getting a life. Ooh, I like that. So give me an example of what you tell people to do there. I tell them not to listen to me and that's their job. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm speaking with Kathleen Desmaison, author of Potatoes Not Prozac, and we'll be right back. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication. And for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. 
Many of you have followed my journey from consulting to women's leadership and empowerment, starting a nonprofit, raising two kids, and everything in between. I've really taken some time this year to focus in on where I can help the most women with their own desire to create social impact and also a good income for themselves and their families. As my consulting and coaching practice is growing, I found that one of my favorite things to do is the free discovery sessions. I love hearing about people's passions for the work they do, sharing what I do, and helping people understand what my hybrid consulting coaching is all about. Hint, hint, serious strategy plus spacious mindset. So if you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing or waking up in the middle of the night anxious about money, lacking energy you need to get everything done, or procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or even if you're in a leadership role, but you're second guessing yourself and not getting things done, I'd love to talk to you. These conversations help me get clear on how I can help more leaders create the impacts and income they want so they can start living with ease and joy. Plus, you'll get a free hour with me to get crystal clear on what you want to create for your company or organization and your life and what's been holding you back. So if you're interested, you can book a call at wellwomanlife.com slash learn more. We're back with Kathleen de Maison, author of Potatoes Not Prozac on The Well Woman Show. And we're going into a segment called Superpowers for Success. And I want to ask you a few questions okay. because as a very successful author and professional and leader in this field, um, I, I'm hoping that you can share some of your advice and tips about life with our listeners. So the first question I have for you is what does success in life mean for you? I think that success, for me, represents knowing what my purpose in life is, being willing to say that I want to do that and be that, and convening all of my life support to be able to do that and to actually live that commitment and say, okay, this is what you want me to do. I'm willing to do it. Here I am. Okay. And so actually this goes right into my next question, but I I feel like since you brought up um, finding your purpose, when did you know that you were really good at what you do, which I'm assuming is your life purpose? I I think that, and this will surprise you, but I think the knowing and the believing that there was a big gap because this is part of sugar sensitivity, is that when our brains are not balanced, we feel inadequate and not good enough, regardless of what's going on on the outside. So we can be highly professionally successful, we can have successful family, have good relationships, but we don't believe it, we feel like a fraud. And for me, when that changed was when I changed the food. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, for me, it's a biochemical issue. And that the having the convergence between my believing and my knowing that, and I went through a period of time where I thought the my part of it was bigger than I certainly do now that I would call the ego period. <laughs> and that's just developmental and I think what we all go through. And then whoever's guiding the process said, no, no, we're not doing ego. Let's, let's do a restart on that. Mm. And so we went through a quiet period. 
And then I got older and smarter and figured out, okay, this is not me personally. This is, I would call it divine energy working through me and getting my own personal ego out of the way. When did that happen? I don't, it's not a moment, but a process. And part of it is maturation, but part of it is also, I think, the effect of a commitment to having a a spiritual life, so mm-hmm. it's not a religious life in particular, mm-hmm. but having a willingness to do what I'm told to do. Okay, and you brought up some issues that we definitely address a lot on The Well Woman Show, which is the sort of imposter syndrome and feeling mm-hmm. like a fraud and, and these things. And you're saying, it, you know, as you do in your book, basically that it's a biochemical issue. Um, what What do you say to people who say, well, I just, I'm an emotional eater or... I, you know, it's because of things in my childhood. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you reconcile that? Uh, There's no need to reconcile it because, first of all, it's true. (laughs) Second of all, the reality is that people who are not sugar sensitive go through experiences as a child. They respond differently. They leave the house when they're 16 and say, I'm out of here. Forget it. Those people do not have imposter syndrome. Those people are not crushed by their experiences, children. So I'm not saying we don't need therapy and we don't need support. We don't need to do work. What I'm saying is that if the bowl is cracked, you can fill it up a thousand times mm. and it will still be empty. So what this process does is heal and fill those cracks so that the other work that we do, and it really doesn't matter what kind of work it is, there are a thousand different ways to do it, that we fill it up and it's filled. Okay. And Kathleen, um, can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your own well-being? And is it following your plan? Like, is that your personal habit that you have every day? Well, it's not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, it's follow, following the plan and eating according to this most of the time. But also I get up in the morning and I meditate and I, I, I have the luxury of being not being interrupted and not having a thousand people running in and hopping on my bed. And I take time to remember like who's in charge and what to do. So that helps the combination of both. Okay. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I have a unique ability to take very complex ideas and distill them down into language that regular people can understand. And that's a gift. I, I didn't do it. I enhanced it and buffed it and made it better. But that gift of being able to describe neurochemistry so that anyone can understand it and believe it. And also the the compassion and humor and comfort of you're not a bad person. This is your you know, you you, you can get and you can get well. So this actually leads into a question I, I would like to just pop in here with, which is, you know, a lot of people work their whole career and their their lifetime on the, the thing that they're passionate about, um, but they don't get to that point of really distilling it down into something that 
you know, results in like this book that you've published 20 years ago and is so widely read. So what do you think, like, what what led up to that for you? How did that even happen? I think willingness to listen to something else being in charge. And that I will take credit for that I I li- when I decided that I needed to write this story of what I had seen, the healing that I had seen, and I knew was a result of something that I had done. And I quit my job, I sold my house, I moved into a one-room apartment, and I made the commitment that I was going to go back to school and find out why what I had done worked so well, that that was feeling as if I was being guided and directed. And so it was getting out of the way and saying, this is important, and I'm willing to listen. And, you know, I was a feisty kid, and I was pretty arrogant as a young woman. And that was like just saying, nope, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I put everything on the line, and I did it, and it worked. I love that example because we talk about that on the Well Woman show and the Well Woman Life Framework, which is awareness and then moving into intuition and then into action. But if you miss that intuitive part or you don't listen to it, you can miss those big clues. And so I love examples of when people have really listened to that and then acted on that. Exactly. And what what I would add particularly to the work that you do, is that I think how you eat affects the capacity to listen. So if you're using lots of sugar, or you're not eating, or you're always dieting, or if you're drinking a bottle of wine every night, you you won't hear it. You won't have the intuition. You'll just have the intention or the desire or the sort of a non-specific feeling like something should happen, but you're not clear and the message can't come through as static. Yeah. And part of what this book, this new one is about, is the story of all the people who have cleared out the static because uh-huh. the, doing the food does that. Yeah, that's a great example. Okay, we only have a couple of minutes left. I want to get to a few more questions. Um, what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? Oh, I would just sit with her and have a cup of tea and laugh at her. <laughs> I, I love my 25-year-old self because that that's when when I was 25, my husband uh, left for somebody else. And I had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. Oh and she just said, I'm going back to school. And she went back to school and got daycare for the kids. So I, she was, she was a fact. I mean, I'd be listening to her because she was a gutsy. <laughs> so, and I don't, I know that's a question that's really important to you, but it's just sort of, I'd just be sitting there and saying, okay, girl, how can I best support you? I love that. Okay, great. Um, so many people answer that in so many different ways and, you know, either with some regret <laughs> Or, or just acceptance, you know. So, um, last couple questions: Do you identify as a feminist? I guess so. I, 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 however you define it, yes. I think caring about equality, caring about responsibility. Of course, I do. But there's way more to it than what we thought there was. 20 years, 20, 25 years ago, I was angry. And I'm not angry now. It's sort of, we need to work together. And so I I don't know what the the word is that we would use. We need a new word. Yeah, people get hung up on the language a lot. Well, on this show, we define um, feminism as working for social, political and economic equality. And so I think I think there's agreement around that goal. Uh, Absolutely. I sign on. It's a difference (laughs) in how we get there. Right. So I'm with you. um, 
Okay, last question. What are you reading right now? What What is on your nightstand? Well, I just read She, she Said, which is the story about how the Harvey Weinstein uh, articles were written and broken. And so that, of course, <laughs> is shaping my vision of the world about we shall not live that way anymore. And that was that's a very intense read. And of course, I'm reading Potatoes, Not Prozac again, because <laughs> everybody's asking me what I say. And mostly, I forgot. <laughs> when I said in the manuscript, I forgot everything that I wrote for a while. That's what happens when you're an author. It just goes. So I have to do a reset. So I, I'm actually, that's on my nightstand. Too. Oh, I love it. Yeah, because once it's almost like once you write it, it it's you've released it, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but you have to actually know what's in that book. because yeah, people. Ask I, I know in my heart what's in that book, but to go back and say, what did, what did I say? Yeah. Well, Kathleen, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. I, this is fun. And another topic that is very relevant during the holiday season, the idea that being around people that are close to us is really difficult when we're going through a growth or a transformation period. So I want to give you a few quick tips and direct you to the show I did on this, which is at npr.org slash programs. And then you search for the Well Woman Show in the search box. It's show number 182. And I talk about things that really help us uh, maintain our focus when we're in transformation, but we're surrounded by people who uh, don't really know us that way, or they're in a different place, and they find it hard to relate. So the first one is what people say is about them, not you. It's very simple, but it's a really, really interesting one that we forget. Number two is what you say is about you not them, right? So if you say, oh, I don't drink coffee anymore, or I'm not drinking alcohol, that doesn't mean that you're judging them for what if they're drinking coffee or having a glass of wine. It's just that you're saying that's what you're doing. So what you say is about you, not them. Uh, Number three, give people space and don't rely on getting your needs met by them. Number four, give yourself space. Try to give yourself some downtime, a little break from all of the hustle and bustle. You can definitely go to the show and listen at npr.org slash programs. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for the well woman show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.